Welcome to another episode of Tandem Coaching Academy's Keeping Agile Non-Denominational Podcast. I'm Alex Goodenough, and I'm your host today. And today I have Sheree Silas. She is an MCC Master Certified Coach with ICF, and she is an CEC with Scrum Alliance. And today we are talking about supervision. So Sheree, first thing about supervision, this supervisor thing, you know, it's it's, it's, it's kind of like command and control thing. So now you can command armies of coaches or what? Yes! No. <laughs> That's not what it means. Um, and so the term supervision is so confusing, like so many things just in the profession of coaching. Um, so what supervision is, if you think of it not from the traditional someone's over me, or I report to someone, so a stack rank relationship. Supervision is actually a peer relationship. So two professionals come together and they take a step back and they take a, a macro view of the coach and the work that they're doing with their clients. So it's a bit of a play on words, like it's supervision, not supervision like your typical sense. Hmm. Okay. I'm not particularly sure if that's less confusing than when we started. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of like a meta view or a 10,000 feet view on the coaching practice. And as a coach, why would I want to come into a supervision session? Well, um, if we think of ways to grow and develop as a coach, so we've got training, which we all had to do to learn just the competencies. Mentor coaching focuses on growing your competency as a coach. What are you doing in the coaching session? What's your skill level? Um, that's the ACC, PCC, MCC type thing. Supervision is for experienced coaches who are working with clients. And so coaches have this, this space with another professional to bring client cases in confidentially and talk about the work that they're actually doing with their coaching clients. And so that helps the coaches to be able to look at things like, um, my client's not, not moving forward. What do I do? I don't think I'm adding value to this client. How do I handle that? I think I have ethical concerns. I'm not sure if there's a conflict of interest. Um, it may even be things like I got triggered when my client was talking, or I started actually consulting instead of coaching. And it's, it's the how you show up as a coach with your clients in the relationship with your clients that you're handling in supervision. And so the, the two of us, if I'm your supervisor, we walk through that, we talk through that, we shoot ideas around together. Um, and we look at the reality and about what needs to be different and what you can learn about yourself as a human showing up as a coach in your coaching conversations with your clients. So if I bring my clients' cases to the supervision, what should I expect? Like you would give me a second opinion or we would listen to recordings or how does it work? Great question. So listening to recordings would be more like mentor coaching. Um, your relationship here with 
with the clients you bring, it's completely confidential. So I don't even know their names. I don't, I, I, you, you keep your client relationship. And um, what we look at, I, I completely forgot your question, Alex. Can we just, could you just tell me, could you just tell me your question again? <laughs> what will happen in the session? I mean, I, I bring the recording and you will do like second opinion on that recording or you will tell me what you would have done. So what does it look like? Ah, uh, yeah, what does it look like? So basically, um, it may feel a little bit like a coaching session on your coaching. So we'll start off with, well, what's the, what's the case you're bringing? Give us, give just a little bit of background about the client, the interventions you've already done with the client and why this today, what's important about this that makes this, this incident with the client a notable incident. And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, well, what are some of the questions that you have that you want to be able to answer in this conversation that are going to help be helpful for both you and for your client. And then we'll talk through that. There's um, just like in coaching, there's different models that you might use and different theories um, on supervision that, you know, we bring in whenever we grab whatever is necessary at the moment, just like I would as a coach. And then we'll walk through those things. Sometimes, there's a, a space where um, I may step a little bit into a mentoring mode if that's what you want and say, okay, well, here's my experience. Um, there might be times when I raise a concern that's you know, an ethical concern that I might see to make you aware of it so that we can look through that. And much of the time, it's going to be let's reflect. You reflect on what's happening with your client with you internally, the way you showed up with your client and what's happening with you even right now as we talk about it. We'll look at, well, what's happening in our relationship that might actually be a parallel process to what's happening in your client's relationship with you. Um, there'll be times when I use myself as instrument. This is what's happening for me as I listen to you talk about that. And then most importantly, I think, is we'll take a systems perspective and look at the world around your client and you and just the whole big thing and see what we can, what, you know, what, what comes up to the surface by looking at things from that perspective. Mm, so interesting, when you mentioned systems perspective and kind of looking at the whole world, uh, what I remember, the way we teach uh, active listening, kind of this third level of global listening, mm -hmm. and we basically say, it's hard, and what we actually don't know, how many coaches actually get to that level of listening in their coaching sessions. So it sounds like your supervision sessions might be that opportunity to actually get actively to that third level of listening and just have experience there. Yeah, I love that you made that connection because that third level of listening is that perception right it's it's that sensory perception and if you if you take it up a notch it's actually what's happening in the system that you're perceiving and it may be in the relationship system it may be in the organizational system and it may just be in the world system around so for example how do icf ethics and competencies bear on this 
how does the fact that the world's on lockdown and coronavirus impact this? What's the, the, um, the values and the, the atmosphere in the client's company that might be actually creating some of this? What's happening in your own family that might, so transference, that you might be saying, I have these old relationships and I find that I'm actually attributing what happened there into this relationship. Um, so, so things like that, it's, it's, it's the big wider view of what all might be impacting this relationship and the effectiveness you're having with your client. And so let's uncover it, let's reflect on it, and then let's figure out where, where you go from here. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it's a lot of new awareness for a coach to take out of that supervision session. So what are some battle stories you can share that you, you just went, you just got out of the supervision session and you were like, that, that coach got so much out of it. <laughs> so um, I think I want, I'll talk about it from the perspective of when I was in supervision with my supervisor or one of my supervisors, what did I come out of it with? Um, because I can speak better to that piece. Um, so a big thing that early on when I started jumping into supervision, I realized very quickly that the, tr the truth of the fact that over 40% of all of the challenges we have with our client goes back to the coaching agreement. Over 40%. And we see that coaching agreements you never get good enough at it. And it was interesting because I didn't learn that until I actually went to school to learn supervision that that was the case. But what I found out is many of the conversations I have with my supervisor, it, it fell back to the coaching or the relationship contract. And so a lot of that was going back and cleaning up, which also had the impact of me figuring out how to do those things better for the next client so that I didn't have to keep going back and cleaning up stuff that I missed. Um, so that was a really huge one. Um, another thing, well, one that comes up often, I find with, with coaches as they come into supervision is they start to see the impacts of their own um, desires for the client and how even though they say it's the client's agenda, the coach really wants for the client something, so then they keep trying to drag them to, to that side. Um, and so one example of a, a coach that I had, she, was, she had a client who um, had a miserable job. She hated it. And she was like, you're so talented. Why doesn't she just leave? I don't understand why she don't just leave. She's stuck. But then um, as we zoomed out, what we actually realized was two things. One, there was the impact of this whole, um, the, the uncertainty around the coronavirus and all this, but there was also the impact of the coach's experience because over the last year and a half to two years, even in the midst of all this, she left the job she hated found another job she hated even more, um, 
got laid off from that job because of coronavirus, found another one she absolutely loved. And so she wanted her client to do what she did, just get out there and get out of this miserable job. And that was impacting the way she was working with her client and the frustration level around her client wasn't moving. What we ultimately uncovered was that it wasn't in the client's best interest to move. And there were other factors the coach couldn't see because she was blinded by her own experience. Mm. So it sounds like it's powerful learning. And I'm curious, uh, a lot of coaches who come into supervision, they are already certified ACC, PCC, so MCC for all I know. They are accomplished coaches and there's still so much to learn. And you mentioned that um, kind of ICF, it, it touches upon ICF ethics and all that. And we know that ICF came out with new uh, competencies uh, this year, last year. And one of there is continuous uh, learning and continuous improvement. And ICF kind of glossed over supervision, but they did mention it. So what's changing for America's um, kind of supervision market um, with these new competencies? Mm. Yeah, really interesting and really exciting changes coming up from ICF. Um, I'm so thrilled at the changes they made in the competencies. So our European counterparts um, have been utilizing supervision forever. In fact, that's how I found out about it and started doing it myself. And EMCC, who's the kind of governing body like ICF is predominantly here in the US, um, they actually require supervision, an hour of supervision for every 35 hours of coaching. ICF has made these changes and what ICF has in, in employed is that every coach must undertake a ref, um, and, and have some kind of a reflective they haven't called out and said, you have to do supervision. However, there's four or five different markers in that mindset that, that display that you've got a coaching mindset under that competency. And supervision covers all but maybe two of those. And, and so while ICF doesn't require it, they definitely don't frown upon it. And I do believe that in the Americas, especially with this change, supervision is, gonna, is, is going to be embraced more because um, if ICF sees the importance of reflection to grow the coach's relationship with the client and the coach's mindset, um, then coaches will also start to see that. And um, when they hear how powerful it is, they'll actually want to. Mm -hmm. All right, so it sounds like exciting time uh, coming to North American markets for supervision. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, agile coaching. Um, so we saw need for professional coaching skills in agile coaching for quite some time. And we were bringing these uh, two areas closer together. So with supervision added to the mix, uh, what's changing for agile coaching and how these new skills, how this new reflective practice can help in agile coaching space? Mm. I have a belief 
now, um, I'll of course be testing out this belief over the next couple of years to find out if it's truth or not. But my belief is that supervision is going to be a game changer in um, in the world around election. So we know that professional coaching came in and disrupted that a, a bit of that industry of how coaching was done, agile coaching was done. Um, I think that supervision has the potential to be even more powerful than that because what it will enable people to do is, so right now we've got agile coaches who are more consultants than coaches. Um, and then we've got agile coaches who have learned and adopted professional coaching. So of course, for those who have adopted the professional coaching, we've already talked about the impact of that. Those who have not adopted um, professional coaching as, as, a, as an art form, for them to experience supervision, one of the side benefits of that, I believe, is going to be that they experience the power of coaching because supervision is basically like coaching when you're coaching. Of course, there's other skills mixed in. And so what, they'll, what I believe is that they will start to realize the impact they're having on their clients through the methods they're using and the resistance they're creating in the clients through the, through the, through the methods they're using. And it will actually spark something in them that makes them realize that, oh, maybe, maybe these skills that you're using with me are actually valuable for me to use with my clients. And it will, it will turn the tide and help to bring others in who, who haven't embraced the professional coaching or haven't heard of it. So let me challenge you a little bit there. So you basically said, and rightfully so, that a lot of agile coaches are coming more from a consulting angle to their engagement and to their ways of working with teams. So why would we want to bring supervision and maybe not consulting for agile coaches? I know how agile coaching is done. I'm going to tell you how it's done and you're going to, to do it my way. When was the last time somebody told you what to do and dictated to you how to do it? When you were like, yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm all in. Um, let me think. <laughs> Can I remember of the last time? That, yeah, so, so, so that's why. <laughs> but but in, all, in all truth here. Um, so group supervision can be done two ways, and they're both extremely valuable, and they serve different purposes. So one way that I foresee bringing supervision into the Agile space, um, it's not as likely that coaches who don't know things anything about coaching are going to do one-on-one -on -one supervision. I, I, I get that. However, group supervision is more um, more suited and feels a bit more like group coaching and or even could could feel a little bit more like group mentoring okay. so you get a group of coaches together and so there's four or five coaches together there's usually a, or there should be someone who's trained in supervision who's facilitating that process because it is more than just like hey let's do a thing just like coaching is more than like, 
hey, let's do a thing. And, and so we've got four or five um, coaches together who have clients and one person brings a case. The other coaches are actually, and the supervisor are all thinking partners with that coach. And so the coach brings their case and then the other coaches um, kind of, it kind of help think through that with them and ask them questions and propose their own, you know, things that they're wondering about and things that, that actually get the coach's brain moving a bit more as the coach listens to these others talk. Mm-hmm. And then the coach comes back in and they give their thoughts and insights and input and set and, and what new questions they want to uncover. And then we do another round of that. And so, so we do a few rounds of that. And so what happens is though there's one case, everybody takes away learning of how they would deal with that case um, based on their own, their own reflections of what they know and what they've experienced and what, what they're learning that they might do and change about the way they, they've reacted to that in the past. So it's really, really cool experience. Um, and then, and then so often people will do group supervision, but then they'll also retain a supervisor to work with one-on-one. Um, and I find that the one-on-one, they usually bring more kind of personal things that they don't want to share with six people in a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of my questions. So if we are in a group and I would expect supervisor to be very skillful at creating confidential and safe place. Um, how does that deal with all the confidentiality issues and frankly, kind of people comfort of looking not as a great coach in front of their peers? Mm-hmm. That is hard for people to do because we all want to be great. And so some of the ways you do that, um, and I, I would add, it's not just confidentiality, but it's the supervisor's critical role to hold a non-judgmental stance within the group. Because it's really easy to judge what somebody else did, and it's the supervisor's role is to stop that so that the person bringing the case doesn't feel judged <laughs> um, because they shouldn't be judged. And, and so some of the things that you might do um, I usually have pulled groups together that are people who don't necessarily know each other. They definitely don't work together. So then there's, it's not like they're with their peer and now they're going to start talking about a client case and the peer is like, oh yeah, that's Joe. I can tell by what you said because I know all these people. Um, that's breaking, that's breaching confidentiality. So we want to put together groups that are not in the same ecosystem mm-hmm. and the groups you, you I, I generally do six groups um six sessions so once a month or once every two weeks it just kind of depends on the agreement of the group and so we bring a group together and our first round is actually do is are these the right people for this group and so there's a bit of an application process to make sure that the personalities that are applying to be a part of the group all that those things mesh. And it doesn't mean they all need to be the same, but we do need to make sure that people can feel safe. 
And so that group is a persistent group that stays together for the course. Mm-hmm. And in the course, I mean, for the time, that's not like a class. So the six sessions are these five or six people. I never do more than five or six people in a group. Beyond that is way too big. Um, and so four, four to six is a good size. And, and so those people build relationships together. And because they don't know one another's clients, it's, it's a little bit easier to feel like, well, I can be vulnerable. I'm not perfect. We're all peers anyway. And we're all vulnerable. And we all say the challenges we have. And we all bring a client case. And it's, there's something to be said to creating a space where I can actually come and let my guard down and I don't have to be perfect and I can, I can get advice from others. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking if supervision is that great in terms of evoking awareness um, in coaches, so you basically said it's coaching about coaching, and uh, we have a lot of organizations uh, building their own internal kind of coaching muscle and coaching organizations, whether it's COE or whatever that is. So it sounded like supervision might be a good practice to bring into those organizations kind of a meta level over those coaching organizations. But now I'm confused that you basically said, well, those who know uh, one another, they shouldn't be in the same supervision groups and there might be some ethical violations. So how do people deal with that? Mm, great questions. And so to me, the first question becomes how big is the organization? So if we've got a little bitty organization, you probably don't have five agile coaches anyway. So, you know, if, if I'm thinking of an agile COE, that probably means there's different divisions, different whatever you want to call them, organizations, departments, whatever. So there's there, while you might have four or five coaches working in one area, you probably have four or five coaches working in a different area that they don't know one another's clients and they're not actually peers. They just happen to work in the same larger ecosystem. So I would actually pull from those and mix clients that way. So then we've got some protect, more protected groups. Um, now there are actually um, some groups that will meet together It's a little bit harder to do unless there's a lot of trust between the coaches themselves. So if we're all working together in one small organization, we're all, you know, in a release train or whatever you want to call that thing that we're in. And we all know one another's clients anyway. And it's like everybody knows who everybody's coaching anyway, because it's all part of the world we're in. Um, They can form a group of like those four or five coaches. Because there's not really a confidentiality breach. It's common knowledge. Now, you wouldn't want to bring something that's personal. You would bring a team scenario, but you wouldn't bring what Joe came to me because whatever. That would go to your individual supervision session. Mm-hmm. So there are still some ways to compartmentalize that information and keep it confidential. Okay. So another thing that you mentioned, um, so the word judgment kind of came through, right? And uh, one of my favorite sayings is that we are judging machines. We learn to judge on a fly. 
And uh, in coaching, we actually teach and we learn how to kind of leave that judgment behind or at the door and come to the to the session curious and uh, call the client naturally creative resourceful and whole and all that good stuff. And we also know that it's really hard for us agilists sometimes to coach agilists because we bring that wealth of knowledge, we bring that wealth of experience. So, and when you go into supervision session, which is kind of supercharged coaching on steroids, right? And you hear these agile coaches go about their not perfect scrum or coaching the teams on whatever they're coaching. How do you stay away from judgment? Ah, great question. So you know how coaching is about the person and not the person's problem? The client focuses on their problem and you focus on the client. Supervision is the same. Yes, but their retrospectives still suck. They do suck and, and, and that's fine. What does suck mean? <laughs> so, so, so really, um, we're not, this is not a solving session. It is about what's happening for the coaches bringing in a case. I'm concerned because my client, my team's um, retrospectives suck. Cool. The team is your issue. Let's talk about you and what's happening for and what are the questions you have about what you might be doing that's impacting this or what you could do that might make a change? How are you seeing this? Are you, how are you judging your client to be um, competent? How are you judging them to be not competent? What's happening in the larger system that's causing you to worry about this? Is there something that says, well, if your team's not doing a good retrospective, you're a bad agile coach and you're gonna get fired and that's why we're really here today. So it's not about fixing the client. The coach doesn't fix the client. The supervisor doesn't fix the client. The client fixes the client. We're gonna work on the coach and supervision. Mm -hmm. So interesting you said that and we know that a lot of uh, organizations expect agile coaches to fix their clients, to fix their teams, right? So how do you pitch this to organizations so that they say, yes, that's what we want for our agile coaches. That's what we want for our agile coaching organizations. Yeah, and so in all honesty, some of it I'm still trying to figure out because this hasn't really been done in the agile space. With the exception of um, agile coaches who are professional coaches, probably the European side of the world, definitely not in the Americas. Um, and so the word supervision is really confusing as we started out this conversation. So I tend to say that it's a reflective practice. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's joining and sponsoring a reflective practice where your adult coaches can come together or meet with a um, practitioner of reflective practice. And they can investigate how they can be more impactful and more powerful with their clients so that they get a better return on investment mm -hmm. in, in what they're doing with coaching. Um, and part of that return on investment, so I'd love to just, just give a quick example of 
where you see that return. I had a client, just a, a, a supervision client just a few weeks ago. We were working on something that was about um, how she was showing up with her clients. And it was around the challenge versus support and things like that. I'm not gonna go into any more detail than that. Um, and, and so we, we walked through some of those things and she left with how she was gonna show up differently, what she was gonna work on with the, with the relationship contract and how she was gonna be with her clients. Um, she called me about two weeks later and said she landed this big um, contract with this one client. Like she was getting ready to, to be done with that client because it was falling apart <laughs> and and it and so she went in she shifted the way she was working with them based on what she learned in supervision and they renewed and gave her a bigger contract than she had before bam instant return on investment for the mm -hmm. for the coach and the client saw return on the investment from the way the coach was interacting with the client which caused the client to be more successful and probably what's not, well, what's kind of said behind the scenes that all this learning actually came from her and your supervision was more helping her to reflect on her practices rather than, rather than you tell, are you crazy? You're doing this thing. You shouldn't be doing this thing. Right. I presume that's not how your supervision session went. No, it didn't. And the only time I'm ever like, uh, hold on, is when there's an ethical issue. Hmm. hold on, let's talk about this a little bit more here. I'm, I've got a concern. Hmm. And then we'll talk about that. So what's really important when picking a supervisor is number one, you, you select a supervisor that's trained specifically in supervision. Um, my personal opinion, which may not be held by all supervision practitioners, is that I want someone who is an experienced coach, preferably at a PCC or higher level, or someone who's been practicing at an ACC level for at least a few years that's solid in coaching. You don't want someone who just started, who just came out of coaching school and now they're gonna do supervision. Um, the reality is until you get in there and you've got several hundred hours of experience on the ground coaching, you don't know what, what you know, right? And so you want somebody with enough experience to be able to look over and say, hmm, that's interesting right there. And it comes out of their, their knowledge um, and their experience and their competency level um, because if, 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 you, if you don't get in the sandbox with people who can iron sharpens iron, you know, who can rub against you. And then y'all are all just rolling around in the sand together. You'll come out sandy, but you might not, um, you might not create glass. <laughs> yeah. so knowledge is not enough. And uh, we know that in coaching, it's all about competences rather than reading books and uh, all that good stuff. So with that said, uh, it's a little bit different in professional coaching world. I mean, you can be, for all I know, a great coach without ever touching uh, and kissing the ring to ICF or ever even hearing maybe about them. 
different in agile world. You will not get anywhere without certifications and all that good stuff. So um, let's talk a little bit about training and certification. What do you need to be a, a supervisor? So just like professional coaching, supervision is an unregulated practice in the coaching world. The, this supervision in the coaching world comes out of the clinical practice. All doctors and psychologists and all those people are all do supervision. Um, and so the training in supervision is, it's, it, it, there's a bunch of different um, ways that you could study. There's different schools that are out there like anything else. Um, EMCC, which is the European Mentoring um, and Coaching Council, they are the people who um, are the main predominant body that certifies supervision practitioners. So that's where my, um, I, I, I went to a course, I'm a certified supervision practitioner and much like, like ICF, you have to have competency, you have to show competency, you have to have time on the ground, and then you can apply for a credential from EMCC. So pretty rigorous process and more or less in line with what we see in the coaching world. Okay, so you are certified supervisor and you do this with some of your clients. So what are the plans to bring this more kind of stateside? I'm really excited about this. So one thing I've done is in our coaching programs at Tandem Coaching Academy, we've actually added supervision into the mix as a re required part of the courses. So all of the students who come through our program, um, they have group supervision and individual supervision, and they are taught um, how, to, how to utilize supervision to you know, to their best capability. Um, so that's one piece. The other piece that's really super exciting to me is later on this year, Tandem Coaching Academy is actually gonna roll out a course um, in supervision to, um, to help promote certified supervision practitioners in the agile space. As you know, our school is, it's our main student body is the Agile space. Of course, we serve people outside of the Agile space too. So this course would be good for any professional coach and any Agile coach. We will have a parameter of the level of experience and expertise. So what I won't be doing is training people who don't know professional coaches to supervise professional coaches um, for maybe obvious reasons. Um, but what we will be doing is taking professional coaches who are in the agile space, who want to learn how to, how to hold these supervision groups and how to help other coaches to become stronger through the practice of supervision. Um, getting them in there, teaching them um, the different theories, different practices, different ways of looking at things, a few different models of supervision, and then equipping them to help to go in and disrupt a little bit of things in the in the space of supervision. All right. So sounds like pretty pretty big plans uh, going forward in 2021. So 
uh, how do our listeners uh, can contact you uh, if they are interested? Well, the best way is to go out on our website at tandemcoaching.academy and take a look at all the offerings that are there. We've got professional coaching offerings. We've got coaching um, human systems, so systemic and organizational coaching offerings. Um, we've got supervision and mentor coaching offerings. Um, so go out there, take a look. And if you have questions, feel free to reach out to us at info at tcagile.com. Mm, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks, Sheree, for uh, a lot of information. Uh, it was like a big brain dump about this new and exciting and shiny new thing uh, called supervision, uh, which is coaching for coaches. It's like that meta view that uh, very exciting and uh, very glad that you got into that and that you are working hard on bringing it uh, to the United States and making it more common here. Well, thank you. And uh, this was Tandem Coaching Academy's uh, Keeping Agile Non-Denominational Podcast and I, your host, Alex Kudnov. Bye now. <laughs>